Hello, my name's Florence. Welcome to the OBS pod. I'm an NHS obstetrician, hoping to share some thoughts and experiences about my working life. Perhaps you enjoy Call the Midwife, maybe birth fascinates you, or you're simply curious about what exactly an obstetrician is. You might be pregnant and preparing for birth. Perhaps you work in maternity and want to know what makes your obstetric colleagues tick, or you want some fresh ideas and inspiration. Whichever of these is the case, and for that matter, anyone else that's interested, the OBSPOD is for you. Episode 13. Mistakes. I asked my daughter, what would she want to hear? What would she like me to talk about in my podcast? What would she want to know if she was a woman? And she said, well, I would want to know you were human. I would want to know a bit about you and that you were going to care for me and be compassionate because you were human. But I wouldn't want to know you were human in that I would never want you to make an error. I wouldn't want to think that you were going to make a mistake. That comment got me thinking perhaps I needed to talk about mistakes and how could I talk about mistakes in a way that would reassure people rather than frightening people. We're human, of course we do make mistakes and part of a safety culture in any healthcare setting is to learn from those mistakes. So I thought I'd better do an episode on mistakes Have I ever made a mistake? Yes, of course I have. We all were well aware as junior trainees that at some point we would make a mistake. We would make an error. It's inevitable. And all we could hope for was that it wouldn't have serious consequences. There are small errors all the time after all. But I knew from watching my more senior colleagues that sometimes mistakes could have devastating consequences, not only on the family concerned, but on the doctor involved. And at one point, I remember saying to my husband, it's only a matter of time before I have a really bad case where I've made a really bad error of judgment. And that results in either a baby dying or a baby being damaged. And that time will definitely come. And I remember being very apprehensive about that. So to put that in context, in maternity, as in any other sort of healthcare system, it's unusual for one mistake to have consequences. So there's a model of risk management and it's called reasons model. And it, I love this analogy because I'm quite a visual person. It's called the Swiss cheese model. And what it means is that most of the time, if you make a mistake, if you imagine a piece of Swiss cheese that's full of holes, most of the time, if you make a mistake, it's like falling through the hole. You go through the hole, but you come across a barrier. So you go through the hole, but you thwack into a a wall of cheese and things stay safe because the holes don't line up. So although you might have a series of errors, because they don't link up with one another, 
the barriers that are in place prevent them. A mistake or a bad outcome only occurs when a number of things line up. So all the holes in the cheese are in line. There's no barriers. There's nothing in the way. And in complex systems such as maternity care, an adverse outcome is usually the result of numerous different little things going wrong that all culminate in one bad event. So a lot of what we do is set up systems and processes so that if an individual makes an error, it's much less likely to cause a problem because there will be other things that counteract it. An example of this might be interpreting a fetal heart trace. So a midwife in a room might be looking for hours and hours and hours at a baby's heartbeat trace or CTG. And because she's in the room, she may be less likely to spot a gradual change in that heartbeat pattern and a gradual change, therefore, in the condition of the baby. And so a few years ago, something was introduced called fresh eyes, which is as well as the midwife going through and looking at the CTG and classifying it and categorising it and analysing it once an hour. Fresh eyes would mean that a second midwife or doctor would come in and do exactly the same and countersign it. So fresh eyes, someone that wasn't in the room, who hadn't looked at it before, would come in and analyse it and see if they got the same thing. So that's an example of a system where if one person is making a mistake, perhaps at fresh eyes, something would be picked up. And that was initiated because we often saw that things were picked up at shift change. A fresh person coming into the room and taking over the care might notice something that one team that had been in there for 12 hours or eight eight hours and were tired had missed. Another similar example might be central monitoring. So we now have a computer up on the wall on our labour ward on which we can look at the fetal heart, the woman's blood pressure, the pulse of the woman and what's going on without even going into the room. So we can click through the women that are in labour on the labour ward and look at how they and their babies are doing without interrupting the woman, without interrupting the midwife. And of course, we need the clinical picture and we need to go into the room to understand the situation fully. But it does mean that there are other people outside the room looking at what's happening. And sometimes we'll walk into the room and say, oh, I just noticed outside, this is what's happening with your baby's heartbeat trace. And the midwife will say, yep, I know I've already done this, that and the other to counteract it. But that's a safety measure. Sometimes a safety measure might be something mechanical. So a very high profile example in medicine, but not in maternity, is giving a wrong drug into a spinal needle. So intrathecal drug errors. And this was changed simply by changing the connection between a syringe and a spinal needle. So something physical, mechanical, that means you can't actually make that error is another safety measure example. So over time, safety evolves in response to what errors have happened before. At work, we have a system. Any small thing going wrong gets reported. 
It might be something clinical, like a woman bleeding excessively or a baby being admitted unexpectedly to the neonatal unit. Might be a woman being readmitted to hospital. A woman arriving not having had the appropriate blood test before her caesarean operation. Could be any manner of things. And this gets reported. So we can click on the intranet and fill up a form saying what happened and what was the impact on the patient. And that might be that there was no impact or minimum impact, or it might be that there was a very significant impact. And these risk forms are picked up by the manager in charge of that area and scrutinised. Sometimes there are very simple actions that they can take that they alone can take and it doesn't need any further investigation. An example might be there's a blood pressure tablet we commonly give women. One form of this tablet comes in a capsule and although it's very effective at dropping blood pressure, it drops it very rapidly, which can have a detrimental effect on the baby. One form of this drug comes as a tablet and both of these medications have the same name. So on our antenatal ward, there's a picture, there's a photograph of what the two look like, the drug capsule and the drug tablet, and a clear message about if it looks like this, this is the wrong thing. If it looks like this, this is the right thing. So it's a simple visual prompt to remind midwives to look and check and make sure they're giving exactly the right treatment. We look at themes, what are our top incidents and what can we learn? And we have a risk newsletter that will tell us in the last month, these are the most common incidents. These are the things we've learned. These are the things that we might do differently. These are the adjustments that have been made as a result. Some of the incidents warrant a bit more investigation. And this might mean a local investigation panel. So that would be a risk midwife a consultant obstetrician, one or two additional midwives. And depending on the nature of the case, we may need a paediatrician or an anaesthetist. For these investigations, we sit down and look at a timeline of what happened. We might look at statements from the people involved if there are additional things we need to know that aren't in the notes. Initially, when I started doing this as a consultant, parents didn't have any chance to feed into these investigations, they were just given a report at the end. But I'm pleased to say this isn't the case anymore. So when an incident happens and an investigation is going to occur, the parents are informed that there's going to be an investigation into the care they received and they're asked if they have any questions that they specifically want answering or if they have any information they'd like to give the panel. This means that as we go through looking at the case, we can particularly make sure we address any issues the parents might have. And the investigations we do are partly so we can satisfy ourselves what's happened and is there any learning from it and are there any things we need to change either by individual feedback to staff concerned or by changing something within the system. But a lot of it is about giving parents information. Most parents who are told there's an investigation may want an apology, may want the assurance that the same thing won't happen to another family, another woman. 
that some benefit will come out of whatever difficult situation they've been through and be assured that the same thing won't happen again. Some parents, when they hear there's an investigation into their care, say, I don't know why you're investigating. I've had women say to me that their friends have asked them if they're going to sue the hospital. Their friends have asked if they're angry and will complain. And some women have said to me, at every step, I felt everything was explained to me. I understood why you were doing what you were doing and that all the staff looking after me thought that was the right thing at the time. And it was very well explained to me. And when it didn't go to plan, you apologised and I felt well supported in the postnatal period. And although I would have preferred it if it hadn't happened, I know why it did and that everyone did their best. And I really don't understand why you're investigating at all. So that does happen. And I do think that communication is really key whenever something goes wrong, regardless of whether you've made a mistake or not. How you talk to that woman and that family is is really crucial in, in how they'll feel about it. If the event is really serious or we identify what we call care and service delivery problems where we think there are significant things that should have been done differently that might have changed things, then this will be declared a serious incident and the investigation will have more people on the panel, more people from across the rest of the hospital and the investigation once complete will be looked at at the trust-wide serious incident group and scrutinised by that which has members of the executive team on it. It will also be externally reported to the commissioners. And sometimes we find there's nothing we could have done differently. Sometimes the outcome was inevitable. There isn't anything much to learn. But then at least we know we've looked at it thoroughly and we haven't found some deficit in care. But sometimes we find things that we could have done differently but may not have made a difference. And sometimes we find things that, yeah, they could have made a difference. And we have to be honest about that. So a lot of the focus on when mistakes are made, if mistakes are made, and not all these incidents actually contain mistakes, um, is about feeding back to the individuals concerned. And as an individual, we're really now encouraged to reflect on those mistakes. So we have a duty of candor a legal obligation to be open and honest with patients when things go wrong. But we're also supposed to, as part of our general medical council revalidation and as part of the trainees' training portfolio, they have to, and we have to, reflect on difficult cases we've had, complications we've had, problems we have, and what, in hindsight, we wish we may have done differently or what we now do differently in our practice as a result of that incident. Have I made mistakes? Yes. And what were the costs of my mistakes? Well, I misread a scan report once. I was reading the cervical length 
and I was in a very busy antenatal clinic and I got it wrong by a factor of 10 because what I read as centimetres was actually millimetres. And unfortunately, I discovered this error when the woman came in in the second trimester, so at about 18 weeks, and the cervix was open prematurely and her baby was born extremely premature uh, at an age, 18 weeks, when the baby wasn't viable, so the baby died. And I discovered this later on, that actually the information had been in the scan and I was dreading the postnatal follow-up with that woman, with that couple. And all I could say was, I apologise, I misread the scan report when I saw you in clinic. This is what happened. And I explained that if I had known the cervix was short, I could have offered some treatment. There are some treatments that potentially can make a difference and potentially might have prevented her from losing that pregnancy. It wouldn't necessarily follow because the treatments are high risk. So putting in a stitch, for example, to try and hold the cervix closed carries its own risks and might not necessarily be successful. But she might have had a chance and we'll never know. And I apologised and I explained that all to them honestly and openly some years ago now. And they were very understanding, very, very much so. They really acknowledged that we didn't know whether it would have made a difference. And they, they'd kind of moved on. They, they didn't hold me responsible. They knew it was something about her body that hadn't held the pregnancy. And yeah, they were way more understanding than I expected them to be. And I think as consultants, we spend considerable time apologising, not necessarily for something we've done. We may be apologising for something on behalf of the department or the hospital. And we might say, I often say, I'm sorry, we'd never want you to feel this way. I'm sorry, something different could have been done that might have changed things for you. And it's hard. It's very hard. They're very difficult conversations and very draining conversations. But often women and families find the fact that you care and the fact that you're apologising makes a big difference. I've had women who've written massive complaints, who have had really difficult outcomes and continuing health problems when they've come in and talked to me or they've come in and talked to other staff they've expressed their surprise they've been surprised that staff do genuinely care and really do want to listen and do want to apologize and put things right and acknowledge that things haven't gone well and often that's enough. Often the fact that you care and you're sitting there saying sorry is enough for quite a lot of people in my experience. When you do make a mistake or have a bad outcome, it stays with you. And 
the idea of second victim has come about, which is the idea that the woman or patient in healthcare is one victim and the medical professional or nurse or midwife is the second victim. I really don't like that terminology. We are not victims in any way, shape or form in the way that that family are. But making a mistake and the human cost of that mistake is very much a reality. The idea that that would really shake you, you might go home, you might have nightmares, you might not feel able to work for the next day, the next few weeks, or you might need support, or you might be replaying in your mind, could you have done something differently? What if? What if I hadn't done that? What if I had done this? What if I'd rung somebody else? The what if is very difficult to live with. And certainly some of the most severe cases and difficult cases I've been involved with in my career, I can tell you all the details straight back now, even if they were years and years ago. So there is a lasting legacy with you, despite the fact that I don't like the term second victim. So now we come to today's zesty bit the zesty bit, the essence that I want to remember from today's episode. Staff in maternity care are human. To err is human. We are going to make mistakes. And it's what we do with those mistakes, those errors that count. I wrote an article once, a blog for the BMJ called Black Box Thinking in Maternity Care. And this was because I'd read Matthew Said's Black Box Thinking. And it's really important that we take a completely fresh look and understand that however much we think we're investigating and we think we're looking impartially at events and scrutinising our care, that having other people do that is very valuable. We have a vested interest in the outcome and in the process, whatever we might think. And so although it's difficult and uncomfortable to be scrutinised by external panels and other review processes, things like the Each Baby Counts project from the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists and the introduction of the Health Safety Investigation Branch, HSIB, is important. And moving forward, probably having lay members on risk investigation panels would also be good because actually something that we might take for granted as a midwife or a doctor might to another lay person be, well, why aren't you looking at this? You should be looking at this. The things we take for granted, perhaps are we turning over as many stones as we should be when we're doing our reviews? So I want to reassure women that we have a lot of systems in place to keep things safe. And when we do make mistakes, they're often very minor and we do actively learn from them week in, week out. But also as a woman, you are an important part of that team looking at safety. And if you notice something or think something is wrong, ask questions of us because you might be our fresh eyes, our fresh ears, our fresh vision. And after the event, 
If you do have questions about your care or someone tells you that they're doing an investigation into your care, that doesn't mean it was all a disaster. It doesn't mean it's all bad. Try and get the answers you need and you should be offered an appointment with a member of the team to go through the investigation report and you should be offered a complete copy of any report that is done about your care. But be active. Tell the maternity unit what you remember, what you think, what you need from that report to give you the best possible outcome and understanding of whatever events have happened to you. So hopefully that was an interesting exploration of mistakes. Essentially, we are all trying to do our best to care for mothers and babies safely. Hopefully this episode has served to reassure you that yes, we do make mistakes, we're human, we err, but we do have a very active process to learn from any mistakes and constantly evolve and improve the maternity care we're offering women as a result. If you found this episode interesting, I've put a link in the programme notes to the blog Black Box Thinking in Maternity Care if you're interested in reading more. So I do hope you've enjoyed listening to the OBS pod. If you have, do like, subscribe or leave a review and join me again to explore more about the life of an NHS obstetrician. I'm finding it really exciting to have people listening and give me feedback about what they've found interesting. So please do recommend the OBS pod to other friends, colleagues or people who you think might find it interesting. I'd love it if you'd share with me what you've enjoyed about listening and if you've done anything differently as a result. I can be found on Twitter at FWMaternity and at the OBSPod. And please do check the MatExp hashtag, hashtag M-A-T-E-X-P and the website matexp.org. UK for more information and ideas on how to improve women's experience of maternity care. Finally, I'd like to reassure you that I take confidentiality very seriously and although I'm talking about experiences from my working life, I'm taking great pains to make sure that I anonymise the stories and talk in more general terms so that I keep confidentiality of my women I currently care for and have cared for in the past very safe. Many thanks for listening.